everyone has a life plan. You know the one you dream up as a kid that involves the perfect house, the perfect partner, the perfect lifestyle, and just the right number of children. Yeah, that one. As whimsical as those dreams are, imagine the feeling when you find that perfect partner whose life plan seamlessly mirrors yours. Well, that's what happened when Kate met Toby. We were discussing what our dream life looked like. You know, we both wanted to have a home that was full of laughter and fun and cooking and music and, you know, lots of children running around. We were both really clear that, you know, that's what we wanted our life together to be and to look like. But the thing with these sorts of dreams is that turning them into a reality requires the foundation of hard work, honesty and trust. Sometimes this works and life does turn out exactly as you planned. But sometimes that foundation is a little less brick and mortar and a little more house of cards. And in that case, the only certainty is that it will eventually come crashing down. I thought to myself, holy shit, I think he's lying to me. I'm Georgia Love and this is Everyone Has an Ex. Come with me as we dive into a collection of unconventional stories about relationships past through the eyes and the hearts of the very people who lived them. Kate had just turned 30 when our story starts. She'd been single for a while and although she was surrounded by an amazing group of friends, loved her job and her family, there was a desire to find that special someone. I'd probably dated a few guys and um, was looking for a relationship, Um, hadn't really found the one yet. So, um, yeah, I was kind of looking to date. On a night out with a group of friends as per usual, there was a new face she hadn't seen before, a guy called Toby, who managed to get her attention pretty quickly in a unique sort of way. That night we, um, I don't know, we just ended up at this bar in the city and we were both there like through mutual friends and, yeah, he just knocked over my wine and we got talking. There was a instant sort of chemistry and connection and I remember thinking he definitely got my attention and he sent like my kind of type of guy and he was kind of cool and chill and a tradie and, um, yeah, I, I was definitely keen to know more. Oh, yes, the classic spill a wine on the girl you like trick. Always a winner. Now, there wasn't a big declaration of love or even a cheeky pash on the dance floor, but it was clear there was something there when Toby messaged Kate the very next day. He messaged me and was just a real gentleman. You know, that was that was Toby and he sent me a message saying, you know, that it was great to meet me and he'd had a really nice time and um, he was keen to catch up again, but I think he did it in kind of a cute, flirty way. The first date and the first kiss happened within the week and just as quickly it became clear to Kate after years of dating douchebags, Toby was pretty special. He was just really sweet and really thoughtful and really kind Um, and he was cool and he was fun and he was charming and he was just a really easy person to be around and I remember 
on our second date, um, I called him up and had to cancel because I had tonsillitis. And I was like, I'm so sorry, like I'm sick and um, I'm gonna have to cancel on tonight, but like if you, if you wanna just come over and hang at my place, like we can do that. But I've got tonsillitis. He's like, yeah, of course, like I would love to see you. And um, he came over with, with dinner and he'd got minestrone soup and gnocchi, so like soft food that um, he knew that <laughs> wouldn't scratch my throat. So right from the minute, you know, right from the start, I thought, this guy's such a sweetheart and, you know, you date a lot of dickheads and so when a nice one comes along, you think, yeah, this guy's cool. Kate and Toby's relationship evolved seamlessly. There were no games, no insecurities, no chase and no need for the chat. I had just started a job when I met Toby and I kind of knew quite soon that it wasn't really the right role for me. So I ended up um, resigning from that role and um, Toby had had a pretty hectic schedule so he took some time out as well and we just kind of, I guess, ended up um, just hanging out and um, having fun together and, you know, we'd go on weekends away and we would go for brunch and we'd go down the beach and we'd go on holidays and we just really, I guess, like fell in love and, um, yeah, it was just a, a really blissful time. He was the kind of guy that um, would do really sweet things for you and, I don't know, like buy you gifts and send you messages that would be like, you know, good morning, beautiful, and just those really thoughtful, sweet things, cook you dinner and just be a real sweetheart. So, um, yeah, it was just it was on and, and we were on and we were falling for each other. Um, I think, you know, there were so many qualities in Toby that, you know, I absolutely adored and... I guess I had that moment where I was like, you know, finally after dating all of these guys, this one's come along. And the cherry on top of the Mr Perfect Sunday? He was so kind of successful in that, you know, he was establishing his career. He was a builder. You know, he'd bought and sold houses. Um, he had significant savings and he was in a really strong financial position. So I guess I'd sort of felt like, you know, I found this guy that kind of had it all. There was no sort of hot and cold and mixed messages and, and where do we stand? You know, he made it really clear that he really liked me and, you know, he wanted to spend his time with me and, you know, he got pretty serious pretty early on and I can remember, you know, him looking to buy, you know, a pretty substantial property in, you know, a nice suburb and he would ask me to come along and, and have a look at it with him and get my opinion and, you know, I guess right from the beginning it sort of felt like we were forming a real partnership. Six weeks in, things were pretty serious. Those three little words were already out in the open and it quickly dawned on Kate that Toby could very well be the one. I had said to my mum, mum, like, this is it, I'm done and this is my person and I just know that this is him. So I guess, you know, it was pretty early, pretty early on that I knew he was the one. And I think, I don't know, you know, when you, you sort of, your friends or people around you that are engaged or married, they say, when you know, you know. And I was like, I know, this is it. This is him. So he moved in. We were talking about, you know, buying a house together and 
renovating it and, you know, we were discussing what our dream life looked like and, you know, that was going to be a beautiful house and because he was a builder, it meant that we could probably renovate something and, and, you know, make it a pretty amazing home and, you know, one day maybe have a beach house. And But most importantly, you know, we both wanted to have a home that was full of laughter and fun and cooking and music and, you know, lots of children running around. So we were both really clear that, you know, that's what we wanted our life together to be and to look like. It was pretty clear that these two were a team, absolute couple goals who had their shit together, the type of couple that deserve one of those corny blended couple names, like Kobe. Yeah, we'll go with that. And while Kate was still figuring out what she was going to do career-wise, the dynamic duo that was Kobe really took it up a notch. After a few months of just kind of hanging out and travelling and falling in love, it was time to get back to reality. And um, I got on the tools with him (laughs) and, um, you know, and we were a team. So I needed to help him and I didn't have a job at that point in time. So I was, you know, building decks and, and nailing down decks and building pergolas and carports and helping him where I could and, you know, I can remember crawling through the door thinking how to tradies do this. This is exhausting. Like I would lay on the couch and be like, I cannot move. Someone's going to have to call dinner because I can't possibly cook. Um, So, yeah, you know, we helped each other. And after doing that for a little bit, I decided that I wanted to start my own business. Um, And because we had discussed having a family together and that was, you know, definitely something that we wanted to do, I thought this is the perfect time to start my own business firstly because I wanted to start my own business and, um, you know, be able to kind of manage and drive and establish my own thing. But it would also down the track allow me the flexibility to work from home and be a mother and be able to raise a family. So the kind of, I guess, you know, the short-term plan was to create and establish and grow a business and the, the longer plan, the longer-term plan was to be able to have a family and still work on the business. So, you know, Toby was amazing with me starting my business. He was so supportive. He would be at work all day. He'd come home exhausted and then he would start his second job, which was helping me. And um, he would never complain. He was, you know, my biggest support. He was, you know, a cheerleader. He And he would tell me all the time how proud he was of me and what I was doing. Ah, oh, Toby, you seriously couldn't fault the guy. He was doing all the right things, saying all the right stuff. But dear listener, you know I wouldn't come to you with a tale of perfection. It's called everyone has an ex after all. See, the thing with Toby, the one little dint in his armour, you guessed it, the ghost of a girlfriend past. He had an ex-girlfriend who he described as a money-hungry bitch who knows how to work the system. And that was always a bit weird. Um, She took him to, to court and Um, you know, she was pursuing him for money and, you know, she was painted out to be a pretty sort of nasty person. So there was always, I guess, that sort of ex in the background causing a lot of havoc. 
she wasn't really calling a lot, but there was a lot of, you know, emails from lawyers and there was a couple of court appearances and there was just sort of general headaches and, and stress, stresses around, you know, her financial demands from, I guess, their relationship together and, you know, what unfolded between them. He had just, he had really just said that, you know, they had lived together and um, he had owned the house and she had sort of pursued him for um, making a claim on on the fact that they were had been a de facto um, couple. So there was also a block of land um, that Toby owned and um, I know a couple of years into our relationship, I said, look, why don't we sell this block of land and given that we want to buy a house, this will be the perfect time that, you know, we could use that money or, you know, even I could even um, sell my apartment and we could put our money in together and um, and we could, you know, buy our house and, and start renovating it. But Toby kind of always had a reason um, why it wasn't a good idea. You know, it wasn't the right time. He couldn't find the right buyer. Um, you know, the property was sitting in a trust so that his crazy ex couldn't get to it. There was kind of always a bit of a roadblock as to why we couldn't sell the block of land. I didn't think much of it. I, I guess I just thought, you know, this poor guy, like he's always just got, you know, this crazy ex after him who's, you know, pursuing him for money. Like that's a really tough situation to be in. But, you know, he'd always say he was always just going to take the high road and not be bitter and, you know, and just kind of let it go. Anyone who, who I guess can, I guess, have a rounded, sympathetic view is, you know, an attractive quality in someone and, and someone who doesn't hang on to things and harbour things and, you know, is, yeah, is very attractive. Also muddying Toby's financial borders was a couple of bad business dealings. It seemed quite a number of people had used and abused his nice guy status and taken him for a ride. He had built um, a townhouse um, but he had never been paid for it. Um, So, you know, he found another investor to buy the townhouse but unfortunately that fell through as well. So Toby was in a situation where, you know, he had started um, or almost completed um, the building of a townhouse but he was owed a very large sum of money. And then I think it was probably about two years into the relationship, um, Toby took over a house build for for another builder who was at capacity with other jobs, um, but he also didn't pay Toby um, and he owed Toby a large sum of money as well and, and Toby bumped into him down the street. They ended up having a punch on, you know, a full altercation down the street Um, but still nothing, you know, even I guess that physical force wasn't enough to prompt him to to kind of um, follow up. So Toby was forced to go to the debt collectors. When someone owes you money, you expect them to pay you. And, you know, having owned a small design business, you know, I've been in the situation where I have to chase people for money and it's really difficult. So between all of the, the dodgy business dealings and um, the people that hadn't paid and the bad and doubtful debts, it was probably close to a million dollars. And I guess I, I was just left wondering, you know, how can one guy have so much bad luck? Yeah, you heard correctly, 
$1 million. This was the cash that was set to make their dreams a reality. This was big. But Toby's nice guy, nonchalant, cruisy attitude towards getting that money back started to take its toll on Kate and the relationship. This ended up being an area of conflict for us and we would have huge arguments about all of the money stuff. So, you know, my view was we need to get on top of this. We need to go to debt collectors. We need to manage it. We need a payment plan. We need to claw back what we can and and just kind of move forward. Toby's view was much more relaxed. Um, he avoided the conversations. He avoided having to kind of deal with it. He would kind of brush me off and say, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. I'm onto it. Um, and, you know, I felt like these money issues and this kind of business dealings were snowballing out of, out of control because they spanned over a number of, a number of years, you know, they built and built and built and they were not getting resolved. And it was making me feel extremely anxious that things, I guess, were almost escalating and getting worse rather than getting better. So, you know, I was, you know, just... I guess, in despair, just thinking how are we going to get all of this money back and how are we going to get on top of this? He was telling me to stay out of it. He was saying to me, you know, um, Kate, like what else do you think that that this could be? Because I would say, look, is there something you're not telling me? Maybe you're embarrassed. Maybe you did a shady deal or you took a shortcut and you don't want to tell me because you feel really embarrassed about it. You know, is there something else to the story? And he would say, there's nothing else to the story. I'm telling you everything, like why would I make this up? Because I sound like someone who's not capable of managing, you know, and I guess you questioning me is making me kind of feel like I'm not capable of of managing this whole situation and, you know, I don't really appreciate you doubting me. You know, if anything, I need your support. I was frustrated that, you know, it had gone on for years and there was no real resolution and nothing was really changing, nothing was really happening and I was just getting really frustrated at, you know, where it was at and what the next steps were and what were we doing to kind of, um, you know, resolve it. He was mad at me for, you know, nagging him and being kind of, you know, asking him all of these questions and checking up and and he probably felt like, you know, I was kind of all over him when, you know, he just didn't want me to be, but I guess also, you know, he felt like I was doubting his abilities to manage the situation and sort of questioning, you know, how capable he was. But there was one saving grace, the reason Toby said he wasn't all that worried. You know, with all of the money problems and all of the dramas, the the one good thing is that Toby has a genius accountant working for him. And um, she really has his back and she's able to shuffle some of his money and his assets around to safely protect them from his crazy ex. So I guess, yeah, the, the one good thing is, you know, the accountant is able to kind of move manoeuvre things around um, so that some of the assets are protected. He was still doing other jobs and day-to-day jobs and getting paid. So, you know, there was still like... Um, you know, money coming in from sort of smaller jobs. It was more the bigger outstanding jobs um, that he'd taken on that were problematic. 
But despite all this, Kobe as a team was strong. In the grand scheme of things, it was the relationship that mattered and it couldn't have been better. They were falling more in love by the day, their picture-perfect story almost complete. A couple of years into the relationship, you know, I had been working on my design business really hard and had got it to the point where um, it was starting to make money, which was really, really exciting. And Toby was so proud. Um, So we decided to kind of celebrate and have a weekend down the beach, which wasn't unusual for us. He was amazing at doing things like that. Um, And we went for a walk along the beach. It was winter. Um, and he was being kind of weird and awkward and I was kind of saying, what are you doing? Like, why are you being so weird? Are you about to propose or something? <laughs> Putting my foot in it. Five minutes later, he, he kind of turned around and, um, and said to me, you know, will you spend the rest of, of your life with me? And um, got out the most incredible engagement ring I think I'd ever seen. And um, I was just ecstatic. Of course, I said yes. You know, he was absolutely the man of my dreams. And we, you know, were creating an amazing life together. And, um, you know, there was just this incredible ring that I couldn't stop staring at, that I think I spent the entire night just laying in bed staring at this ring because it was truly the most beautiful thing I think I'd ever seen. And because I think I worked in design too, I had an extra appreciation for for how magnificent it was and how much time he had spent making it perfect and perfect for me. Just remember that time being really fun and I remember everyone wanting to drink champagne with you and um, and just, you know, celebrating us and it was just so much fun, you know, all of our friends, all of our family, everyone just coming over for drinks and just celebrating love. For me, there was, there's, there's something um, where you you make the commitment to spend forever with someone before you walk down the aisle with them. And I guess when you say yes to that person or whether it's the next week or the month after, you know, this is my husband to me. Whether we've walked down the aisle yet or signed that piece of paper, it didn't really matter to me. He was my forever. He was my husband. So, you know, I definitely felt like, yeah, he was just my person. Kate was finally going to marry the man of her dreams. But ever the pragmatist, before she walked down the aisle, she wanted to get that niggling money issue sorted. What's mine is yours and all that. You know, everything else we were pretty good at, but money, it was a problem. So I knew that we needed help tackling this issue because it was big and we had previously tried to tackle it a number of times and it kind of always ended up, you know, with a disagreement and tears and frustration so I found a counsellor to, to help us work through it. And I can remember sitting in the room with Toby and the counsellor and I can remember saying, you know, how is it that one person has so much bad luck and just has so many issues with money and work and business dealings, you know, and how had I actually never really seen any paperwork? You know, I'd never really seen any letters any bank statements. I hadn't really seen official documents. I needed to kind of see everything to get the full picture in its entirety and then work out how we were going to tackle this. So I just needed to kind of see everything and then, you know, get our head around it and then work out what is the plan going to be. 
Well, Toby already had his accountant who, you know, he worked really closely with, but I felt like it was more, I mean, it was obviously a big issue, but the counsellor was more about um, how do we best communicate and navigate in a respectful way and kind of work out this money stuff that so that it doesn't end up in, you know, a yelling, screaming match or it doesn't end up, you know, in conflict or it doesn't end up with Toby feeling useless. The counselling sessions were a safe space for those icky financial issues to be ironed out once and for all. Both Kate and Toby were all in, but not everyone was convinced. Around that time, um, you know, my mum and dad said to me, you know, do you think that Toby could be lying? And I was absolutely shocked. You know, this was the love of my life, you know, the man that I considered my husband. That was crazy. That wasn't possible. That was absurd. So I guess I kind of got a bit frustrated at mum and dad and said, you know, that's just ridiculous, as if Toby would lie to me. You know, that's just not even possible. This anger towards her parents and the need to prove them wrong fueled Kate's desire for a quick resolution, and it was swiftly moving in that direction. The sessions went smoothly, they both aired their concerns, and Kate presented her list of all the paperwork she wanted to see so they could get him paid back and have everything finally sorted. He was pretty good and he said, yeah, you know, that's that's fine, that's no problem, I'll, I'll speak to the accountant, I will, you know go through all of my paperwork and I'll pull everything together and we'll go through it. And I, you know, I felt relieved. I felt hugely relieved that, you know, it was on its way, that we had, we had help to kind of navigate through these problems and, you know, it was going to be okay. We had sat with the counsellor and we had said, great, well, you know, let's give this like a four-week period to pull off all of the paperwork and then in four weeks um, we'll review it. So four weeks came and the paperwork was running late. So, you know, I had said to Toby, you know, paperwork's running late, like where are we at with it? And um, and Toby said, you know, look, it's running late because it's tax time and it's running late because the accountant was busy and it's running late because the accountant had been working on a really big project And he gave me a bunch of reasons why it was running late. And it was in that moment I thought to myself, holy shit, I think he's lying to me. I think my parents might be right. It was shocking, but I think deep down I thought there must, there's got to be a reason. There's got to be more to it. It can't just be he's lying and that's it. There's got to be a reason or a story behind why he's lying. I guess at that point in time, I thought to myself, he's lying, but I'm not going to say anything just yet. I'm just going to sit with this and I'm just going to do a little research of my own. For the next two weeks, Kate began living a double life. She was Stepford wife by night, detective by day. Toby would go off to work and I would be working from home slash being a detective. And, um, you know, I drove to building sites, I made phone calls, I checked property titles, bank accounts, I ransacked the apartment for anything that I could find. Permits, plans, receipts, anything. 
and nothing was adding up. Nothing was like he had told me it was. Every night, Toby would come home from work and I would cook us dinner and we would chat just like any other night and we would hang out and I would just pretend that everything was fine, that everything was normal. And inside, I felt like my whole world was crumbling because none of it was true. And every day that went past, I discovered something else that was a lie. One day I drove out to the townhouse that Toby owned and knocked on the door and discovered that the property was actually owned by a different person and the developer was not Toby. It was a completely different developer that had built it, sold it and had completed the project. Maybe he worked on it as a carpenter, but there was definitely nothing that pointed to him ever owning it. The block of land that Toby owned that he didn't want to sell for, you know, all those different reasons, I eventually um, did a title check on the property and discovered that he did not own it. I was so confused with everything that was going on and, and that nothing was making sense. And I remember Toby saying that he had he'd been seeing his accountant since he was 18 years old and she knew the ins and outs of his business. She had helped him with, you know, a lot of his projects, a lot of his investments. You know, she was going to be the person that was kind of going to be able to shed some light on the situation. And um, I tracked her down and called her office and discovered that she had actually retired six years ago. In the space of two weeks, everything Kate thought she knew had come crashing down. But perhaps the worst was yet to come. She had to confront Toby. So um, we'd had a conversation at home and there was kind of a moment and I was kind of like, it's now or never. I was really scared that he wasn't going to come clean. I was really scared that he was going to continue to lie to me when I knew that most of it you know, wasn't really true. So I said to Toby, you know, Toby, like, you get one chance at coming clean and this is your chance and we need to go through the list and you need to tell me what's real and what's not. He didn't really say much at that point. He was just quiet and we went through the list and we went through it line by line and I said, Toby, like, here's our list, what's real? And he said, none of it. The houses, the building projects, the investments, the bank accounts, the accountant, the meetings, the invoices. Every single thing was a lie. Three and a half years built on lies and more lies and more lies and deception. She pushed for answers, an explanation, justification, an apology, anything. But what she got was, well, not much. He got pretty upset and, um, and he broke down and he started crying and he said, um, you know, I'm a piece of shit and I hate myself for what I've been doing. I did go on to ask him, you know, what else have you been lying about? Like what else, what is real and, and what isn't? And um, 
he wouldn't say anything. He just, he sat there in silence and he wouldn't explain to me what was going on. You know, I said to him, how long have you been lying for? When did this start? When did you start lying? What else? What else have you lied about? Like what else isn't true? And he would just look at the ground and he just wouldn't say anything. He'd been caught. Like there was, there was nothing left to say. I don't know. He wouldn't explain himself to me. With absolutely no explanation, all Kate could do was play out possible scenarios in her head over and over again. It all started to unravel, you know. That's the thing about lying. You don't know where it starts and where it ends and you don't know what's real and what's not. You know, what school did you go to? Like, is this your actual real name? Like, where did you really grow up? You know, did your grandpa really pass away? Like, is your dad who you say your dad is? Does he live down the beach? Is he an engineer? Does he do those things? Or is this just what you've told me? And, you know, I asked him those questions and, and he would just sit there in silence and he wouldn't answer anything. My response um, was actually really calm. Um, you know, I didn't yell. I didn't scream. I don't even think I cried. I think I just, I think I was in shock. And, you know, I just said to him, like, how can, I, I can't trust you. I can no longer trust you. And, you know, I can't marry someone that I don't trust. You know, how would I ever create a life with someone where I know that they have been dishonest and mean, manipulative and deceitful? You know, my love for you doesn't change. The way I feel about you doesn't change. But I'll never know what's real and what's not. I'll never know what's a lie and what's the truth and I can't spend the rest of my life like that. In Kate's mind, they were done. Toby, on the other hand. After, I guess, that, I think it, it, was, a, it was a Friday um, where we kind of had gone through the list and it had come out that, you know, none of that stuff existed. And um, I said, you know, you like you need to leave, you need to just give me some space. And then he came home that night and um, just tried to minimise, just tried to pretend it was fine. And he was like, hey, should we get pizza tonight? <laughs> and I, I remember thinking like, mate, we are not okay. Like this is not okay. And, um, you know, I think I had said to him, you know, you need to go and stay at a friend's house. Like you need to pack a bag and we need to have um, some time apart. And um, I think that was when... You know, I knew I knew in my heart that, you know, it was over because there was no real coming back from that. I can remember calling one of my really good friends and saying to her, like, I just need more time. I just need more time with him. Like, I'm just not ready to let go. You know, I need, my heart needs more time to catch up to my head. And I can remember going into the wardrobe and getting out his hoodie, his, like, his favourite hoodie that he'd always wear, and just curling up in a ball, laying down on the bed and just sobbing and just bawling my eyes out. And there was just so much pain and so much grief and I could remember that feeling like I could hardly breathe. And, you know, it had felt like the world had stopped. You know, here was this person the love of my life, you know, my husband to me that, you know, I was going to be with forever, who had spent literally the entire duration of our relationship lying to me. 
and you know I I lay there and I was like how am I going to survive this like how am I actually going to get through this so Toby moved out he shacked up with a friend while Kate tried to clear her head and work out what had happened and what on earth she was going to do There was minimal contact, but he consumed all of her thoughts. While she was still desperately in love with him, her head eventually won the battle against her heart. She knew she had to end it. We're sitting in the park and I'm explaining to him, you know, I guess one thing that I wanted to make clear to him was that my feelings for him hadn't changed. And... Obviously, I'm not condoning any dishonest behaviour, but, you know, like, my love for him is unconditional. Like, I don't love you today and not love you tomorrow. It's not turned on and off. But I absolutely cannot marry you because I cannot trust you. You You've spent so long lying to me and, you know, really, like, you know, building, like, a web of deception that was story on top of story, you know, the tears, the fights, the upset, all of those things were over nothing. They were all over things that never even existed. Um, So, you know, I was backed into a corner. Like, he created the situation and I responded to it. And so, you know, I I had to end it. And, yeah, he just, he didn't know what to do. He looked at the ground he looked at the sky, he looked at the grass, he looked at every, everyone except for me. No, I asked him for answers and, and he wouldn't say anything. So in the park again, I asked him, how long have you been lying for? Like, how long has this been going on? And he would just sit there in silence. After we broke up, you know, there were some really dark days and, you know, I was just so incredibly grateful um, for my friends and my family. I can remember my mum coming over one day and, um, you know, she she just hugged me and I broke down and started crying and, you know, she didn't say to me, don't worry, it's all going to be okay. She didn't say anything and it was exactly what I needed. I just needed my mum to hold me like only a mum can hold her daughter while I just cried and cried and cried. And she just sat with me and just didn't say a word and it was everything that I needed. You know, I spent the following months literally just saying to myself, you're going to get through this over and over again. It was like a mantra. I would just, I would get up and I would go for a walk and I would just say, you're going to get through this. You're going to get through this. You're going to get through this. And that was all I focused on for the start. Kate still had no answers. Past conversations and events swirled through her head while she tried to piece it all together until one day she had a light bulb moment. Toby might not be able to give her any answers, but there was one person who might. I got um, in contact with his ex, the crazy ex, um, and we ended up speaking on the phone for a couple of hours and um, she had had a very similar experience to me. And, um, you know, it was such a relief that, um, that it wasn't just me, that this was how Toby lived his life and... You know, he hadn't set out to do this to me. He hadn't, you know, I can remember breaking down thinking like, Toby, how could you do this to me? Like I'm the person you love most in the world. How could you do this to me? And speaking to his ex, you know, and and understanding that she had had a similar experience, it made me understand that this was just who he was and it wasn't me. He didn't do it to me. 
this was just the person that he was. I reached out to her with a message and I thought, look, she may or may not want to talk about it. She might feel really upset and she might not want to talk about it, but um, it was really fortunate that she did. And she had said, I tried to find you and I tried to reach out and because I wanted to warn you who he really was. And um, she, um, she was so generous with her time. She had, yeah, experienced really similar things. Um, she had talked about situations with Toby where he had said that people couldn't pay invoices because um, they were terminally ill. And, you know, there were a bunch of different, I guess, reasons, um, you know, why they couldn't sort of pay that weren't exactly the same as mine, but but similar. So, you know, he had lied about his family to her, about his father, um, you know, about money things and, you know, kind of similar stuff. Not exactly the same. Now, you'd think that when the dust settled, Toby would finally admit and acknowledge the error of his ways and at least try to work things out, wouldn't you? He never really fought for us. Um, You know, he didn't come back saying, you know, I've made the biggest mistake of my life, I'll do anything to get you back, you know, I've made a huge mistake. You know, he sent me some messages and there were like a handful of messages and a handful of emails and, you know, he, he said that he loved me and that he missed me. But, you know, three months later, like, he was in a new relationship. And, yeah, as, as, as far as I know, they're together. I spent 12 months really just working through it and grieving and crying and, you know, I think sometimes these days um, people just want to be distracted from their from heartache or pain or they just... You know, they look for a shortcut and the thing with grief is, you know, you you have to go through it. You can't go around it, you can't go under it. To really heal, you have to go through it. So, you know, I gave myself the time and the support and the love from my friends and my family to really grieve it and to really allow myself to, to feel it and to also do my best to process it and move on. And... Um, you know, I just, I kind of took it day by day and, and yeah, just kind of got through it. While you'd think this would probably turn someone off dating ever again, Kate's more of a romantic than that. She knows there will be someone else out there and she doesn't want to let her experience with Toby define her. This experience hasn't, hasn't put me off dating. It's not made me, you know, distrustful of people or men. I would definitely, um, love to to create an amazing life with someone and I think you know uh, a meaningful relationship and partnership can really enrich your life and you know I would love to have that you know and and people love when you tell people this story which you know I don't I don't tell it often but when I do people love to say well you know it was never really real and I can't let myself ever think that because I have to believe that what I felt and what he felt was real. Otherwise, I feel like, well, what was it all for? You know, that that love was real. You know, for a long time after we broke up, you know, I was like, where does this love go? I have so much love for this person. I I don't know where to put it. I don't know where it goes. And, um, you know, eventually that love fades. I wanted to share my story to, to, I guess, bring some awareness to the fact that, you know, the world is made up of many different people and not everyone is honest 
and, you know, if something doesn't add up, check it, you know. I know we live in an age now where you don't want to be that girl that picks up your boyfriend's phone and checks messages and you're distrusting, but in the same breath, if something is too good to be true or if something just feels off, then I would strongly encourage people to to investigate it, to, to look into it because you might save yourself a lot of heartache. Next time on Everyone Has an Ex. Well, initially I thought it was more his issue than mine. I was single. He was the one with the relationship. It wasn't my responsibility to um, end things. I, yeah, I did see her as collateral damage, unfortunately. I thought, well, if she can't even pick up that her boyfriend has been cheating on her for this amount of time, well, yeah, she must be a bit of an idiot. Everyone Has an Ex is written and narrated by me, Georgia Love, produced by Linda Scott and edited by Matt Sofo. Thank you for listening. We would love to hear from you. If you like what you've just heard, please hit subscribe, write a review and leave us five stars. If you think you've got a better story, send it to us at everyonehasanex at mintymedia.com.au. That's M-I-N-T-Y media.com.au. And follow us on Instagram at at everyonehasanex.